Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. The lawgiver did not live above or beyond the law. The lawgiver subjected himself to that law as a human being. Now, let me just ask you this. If the lawgiver saw it necessary to submit himself to the law because the law is righteous, who are we to think that we have a pass? Oh, I know. We don't live under law. We live under grace. Absolutely. And thank God for that. Amen? But do you think that means you can flaunt the law and neglect it? Do you think just because grace is the governing principle today that you don't have to honor your father and mother? Do you think just because grace is the governing principle that you can lie, that you can covet, that you can steal, that you can worship other gods than Yahweh? Now the law is no longer the measure by which we please God or not, but it still has a place in our life. We still are to worship no other God than Yahweh. We are still to be truth tellers. We are still to be satisfied with the things God gives us rather than being covetous. We are still supposed to be pro-life in every aspect that you can think of. We are still supposed to be faithful in our marital vows. Amen? And so if the law giver saw the necessity to submit himself, how much more do we submit ourselves to what is righteous and good? And circumcision for Jesus was just the start. Now the text goes on to tell us that 33 days later, after the period of Mary's ceremonial uncleanness, she wasn't physically unclean, it was a ceremonial Jewish thing. After that Time had passed. She and Joseph, then it says, they went up to the temple to present themselves and to present Jesus to the Lord. Again, the law comes into play. The law specified that the firstborn male, be it human or animal, was to be considered by the parents and or the animal's owner as set apart unto God. Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Think of it kind of like a a parent-child dedication. We recognize and want to set our children apart unto God. Only this had many more regulations and much more meaning. But beyond just presenting Jesus to the Lord, the law required Mary to present an offering for sin at the end of her days of purification. And the prescribed offering for a new mother was this. Take note of it. A yearling lamb was to be offered as a burnt offering, and a pigeon or turtle dove was to be offered as a sin offering. Now before I move on, I just want to define those so that you understand a little bit about what these offerings signified. The sin offering was an offering made for sins committed. The sacrifice then would be killed and its blood would be sprinkled on the altar. And the the blood of that animal represented then the blood of the person who was making the offering. And it didn't forgive sin, it just pushed it back until Christ came as the perfect and ultimate sacrifice. But Mary, now listen, 
Mary had to give a sin offering. And Mary went to the temple and she made the sin offering. Do you know what that means? Well, if you have a Catholic background, you should be picking it up about now. Because Roman Catholicism tells us that Mary was born without original sin. Roman Catholicism teaches us that Mary never committed a sin. Well, if that's true, then why would she go and offer a sin offering? You see, she knew she was a sinner. She knew she was blessed by God's grace, special, favored. Yeah, all those things. But just like all the rest of us, she needed Jesus to be her redeemer, just as we need Jesus to be our redeemer. And so she goes and she offers a sin offering. She also offers the burnt offering. An offering, the burnt offering was an offering of commitment of one's entire self to God. This offering, when it was made, was totally consumed by the fire, and it is believed that the ascending fragrance was considered to be a sweet aroma to the Lord. Now, two other things before I move on that you need to be aware of. If a person making the offering was poor, and then they actually had rules about your financial standing, if you were poor, then uh, you probably would not be able to offer that yearling lamb because a lamb was a whole lot more expensive than a turtle dove or a pigeon. So if you weren't able to do that, then you could offer a second turtle dove or a second pigeon in your offering, which tells us then about Mary and Joseph, that they were poor. It tells us that the wise men had not yet come to visit. Because you see, the wise men brought what? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They could have sold those things and bought several lambs. See, the reason they offered two turtle doves or two pigeons because the wise men had not shown up here. They were dirt poor. Now, I have a truth point to make, and this is really important. As we think about these sacrifices, and, and you know what? I realize, I really do, that in your modern mind, in my modern mind, in our modern sensibilities, these, these sacrifices just seem so stupid. I mean, they do, honestly. It's okay to confess what we really think. And I think most of us probably think that. Those seem so stupid. Why would they do that? Well, let me just tell you this. They weren't stupid. And they were given by God as object lessons. They were intended to be object lessons of the ultimate sacrifice that would be made by the life of the Messiah. They were also intended to continually reinforce the absolute abhorrent nature of sin in the sight of God. Just imagine having to sacrifice animal after animal after animal after animal after animal after animal after animal. How awful that is. How bloody that is. How disgusting that is. But it's meant to send a message. This is how God sees your sin. Don't take it lightly. But isn't it fascinating that on this one occasion, as Mary goes into the temple and she offers her sin offering, she is holding God's sin offering good forever for all who will receive it in her arms. The very one that this is meant to symbolize is right there. Can you conceive of that this morning? So she goes on with her 
observance of a millennial-long ritual, but she does so holding the Lamb of God in her arms. Now, this is a long truth point, but this is one that if you don't get anything else out of this message, if you walk out of here with zero, I trust and pray you'll walk out with this one thing because this is the one important thing that I really want you to get. We've been talking about the law here this morning. The law, the law, the law, the law is complex. And the law is, law is arduous. It is impossible for fallen man to keep. Now Jesus was born under the authority and under the demands of the law, but unlike us, he fulfilled it down to the most minute detail. Point then to be made is when in faith we turn from sin to Christ, we are placed in him. And being placed in him results in his perfection toward the law becoming our perfection toward the law. If you understand what I just said, you'd be standing up right now about to do a little dance going, Woo! Isn't that good? Let me repeat it to you. Because I don't think you understood what I said. Imagine this case being Jesus and these glasses being us. When by faith... You trust in the work of Jesus, God puts you inside Jesus. And now when God looks at you, though you are still in the flesh, imperfect, he doesn't see that, he sees the perfection of Jesus. So just as Jesus is fulfilling the law and has fulfilled the law, we become fulfillers of the law as well, not by our own actions, but because we are in Jesus. Do you get it? Do you get it? But that's worthy of a dance. That's worthy of a woohoo. That is worthy of worship. Because I don't know if you understand this or not, but there's not a one of you in this room, not one of you, not one of you, not me either, who can fulfill the law, not one of us. But we have to. And the only way we can is in him. Isn't that great? What a glorious blessing we have in Christ. Well, wow. Do I go on or quit? Jesus' identity Verified by three witnesses. Luke goes on to tell us that while Mary, Joseph, and Jesus were at the, at the temple following the instructions of the law, a man they did not know named Simeon approached them. The only thing Luke tells us about Simeon really is this, is that he was righteous and he was devout in the eyes of God and that he was waiting on the consolation of Israel. So what was he waiting for? He was waiting for that word consolation. You're right, Jesus. He was Waiting for, the word consolation means comfort. And it has to do with the comfort and encouragement that the Messiah would bring to the individual sinner as well as to the nation of Israel through his salvific work. So yes, he was waiting on Jesus. An additional point that is made by Luke about Simeon is that he was, the spirit of God was upon him. Now, that's, the way that's actually written is important for you to, to, to take note of, so let me explain it. Today, when the Holy Spirit comes to us, he doesn't come upon us, he comes in us, see? And it's a permanent thing. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Even when you really mess up and you act like a real donkey, he's, he's going to stay there with you. He's committed to you, okay? That's because of the work of Christ. But back in the day of Simeon and prior, 
the Holy Spirit was still around. He just didn't come in people. He came up on people. And it was more of a working from the outside in. And it was more of a temporary empowerment or enlightenment for the service of God. And such is the case for Simeon. The Holy Spirit obviously moved upon Simeon on this day. Because in past days, the Holy Spirit had revealed something to Simeon. The Holy Spirit had revealed the Messiah is coming, and Simeon, you won't die until you see the Messiah with your own eyes. So Simeon had been waiting. He was waiting for the consolation. He was waiting for Jesus. He didn't know he was waiting for Jesus. He was just waiting for the Messiah. And on this particular day, it would seem to me that the Holy Spirit moved upon Simeon, and for whatever reason, Simeon got the impression something's going on down at the temple. I need to get down there. So he goes down, and Simeon had no way to understand it. But the Spirit knew, and so he goes down. And when he encountered Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, in the same way that the Spirit bore witness to Elizabeth through baby John, remember that? Remember? John leaped in the womb. (laughs) He recognized that the Messiah was there. Uh, In the same way, when, 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 when Simeon encountered Mary and Joseph and Jesus, There was a witness born inside of him, one that I can't fully explain to you. It's a supernatural, spiritual thing. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.